This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. It's Zoomer Radio's Theater of the Mind with Frank Proctor. Open your mind as we fill your head with amazing thrills, chills, <laughs> and laughs. Theater of the Mind, the best love programs from radio's golden age, only on Zoomer Radio. Now, here is your master storyteller, Frank Proctor. Well, thank you, and welcome to the show. As we wrap up the week, we'll do it in fine style. From comedy by the excellent cast of Our Miss Brooks to the scary moments provided by Inner Sanctum we go. Our Miss Brooks was considered groundbreaking for showing a woman who was neither a scatterbrained klutz nor a homebody, but rather a working woman who transcended the actual or assumed limits of working women at the time. Connie Brooks was considered a realistic character in the unglamorized profession. Uh, She often joked, for example, about being underpaid, as many teachers are, and who showed women could be competent and self-sufficient outside their home lives without losing their femininity or their humanity. The show moved to television in the early 50s, and I like what Eve Arden had to say about what the role came to mean to her, and I quote, I loved the theater originally, I still do, and I always had wanted to have a hit on Broadway that was created by me, you know, the kind of Judy Holiday and Born Yesterday thing. I griped about it a little, and someone said to me, do you realize that if you had a hit on Broadway, probably a hundred or 200,000 people might have seen it, if you'd stayed in it long enough, and this way, you've been Miss Brooks, and everybody loves you, and you've been seen by millions, so I figured I'd better shut up while I was ahead. <laughs> Unquote. Here's the episode first aired in 1949. For your entertainment and pleasure, here is Our Miss Brooks, starring Eve Arden. Our Miss Brooks teaches English at Madison High School. And like many other teachers, started last Monday. And like many other teachers, I attended a faculty meeting Monday afternoon. Here, our beloved principal, Osgood Conklin, gave me my semi-annual pat on the back. Then I picked myself up and walked back across the room. (laughs) And he instituted his new crackdown plan. More discipline, less horseplay, everybody toe the line, run the school in an orderly manner. After this mirth-provoking monologue, he chewed up a little furniture and stalked out. Well, maybe it was the faculty meeting, or then again, maybe it was the watercress and cucumber sandwich I had before retiring. (laughs) At any rate, I remember lying in bed Monday night and dozing off, when suddenly I seemed to be awakened by a loud pounding at my door. What is it? Uh, Who's there? It is I, Osgood Conklin, your beloved principal. I'm coming in. Mr. Conklin, is anything wrong? Wrong? There's plenty wrong. We've got to crack down. More discipline. Less horseplay. Everybody toe the line. Run the school in an orderly manner. But, Mr. Conklin, is this your idea of less horseplay? I was fast asleep. Oh, then I hope I'm not disturbing you. (laughs) I'll go right on sleeping. Good. Miss Brooks, I've got to talk to you. Well, pull up a cucumber sandwich and sit down. (laughs) 
Thank you. Mr. Conklin, you're biting the arm of my chair. Uh, yes, so I am. Sorry, but you know how I get when I'm upset. Now then, Miss Brooks, we've got to have more discipline. Got to have discipline. Got to have discipline. Got to have discipline. You hear me, Miss Brooks? I just heard four of you. <laughs> you're right. There are four of me. More discipline, Conklin. Less horseplay, Conklin. Toe the line, Conklin. And run the school in an orderly manner, Conklin. I wish I could add just one more. Which one? Rest in peace, Conklin. Uh, enough of these pleasantries, Miss Brooks. As you know, our profession teaches us that we must learn by doing. So, here we go. Everybody up, 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 up. Rise and shine. Leave the sack. Leave the sack? <laughs> Mr. Conklin, are you telling me to get up now? Miss Brooks, do I have to dump your bed? No, sir, I'm getting up. Uh, now then, setting up exercises. Hands on shoulders, place. Now touch the floor. One, two. Sound off. Three, four. Open the door. Five, six. Why don't I pick up some sticks and beat him over the head with them? <laughs> ah, you're nervous, Miss Brooks. Overwrought. You should get more rest. Oh, now we're on the same side. I'll get back in bed, and you just fade into the woodwork. <laughs> Not so fast, young woman. First, we must practice our daily hair treatment. Hands on head, please. Now then, rub. One, two, three, four. One, two, three, four. How is One. that, Mr. Conklin? Am I doing it right? Oh, it feels great, Miss Brooks. I should have eight new hairs by Monday. <laughs> One, two, three, four. One, two, three, four. Time to get up, Connie. One, two, three, four. One, two, three, four. Connie, one. why are you massaging that pillow? It's got to have eight new hairs by morning. <laughs> Connie, Connie, wake up. Huh? Oh, oh, has he gone? Has who gone? Oh, 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 just forget about it, Mrs. Davis. It isn't important. On the contrary, I think it's intriguing. Has who gone? Please, Mrs. Davis, it was just one of my nightmares. Oh, was it a bad one, dear? It was in Technicolor and starred Osgood Conklin. <laughs> I spent half the night rehearsing how to get up in the morning. That's why I was so nervous when you woke me. Oh, I know how dreams can affect you, dear, but you must put them out of your mind when you wake up. Why, I had some bad dreams last night myself. You did? Yes, I was in a jungle somewhere surrounded by lions and tigers. But if my cat Minerva walked in now, I wouldn't jump up on the chandelier. I mean, you must have better control of your nerves than I have. Meow! <laughs> See if we need any new bulbs up there, Mrs. Davis. <laughs> Minerva, where in the world did you come from? Oh, I haven't told her about that yet, Connie. She's only a kitten. <laughs> well, you'd better have a little talk with her. She's been running around with a pretty old crowd. <laughs> Please, Connie, don't talk that way in front of her. Minerva's very high-strung. Yes, I know. Lately, that cat's been as jumpy as a person. <laughs> You forget about nerves and bad dreams and hurry in for a nice breakfast. I've got a brand new secret recipe for you. A secret recipe, Mrs. Davis? Yes. If I tell you how I'm making your eggs this morning, will you keep it under your hat? 
Well, it may get my hair do a little icky, but I'll try. I'm making you a delicious watercress and cucumber omelet. Oh, no. That's what started my nightmare. Besides, I haven't time to eat breakfast now, Mrs. Davis. Walter Denton's picking me up any minute. How come Walter's calling for you today? Your car isn't in the repair shop again, is it? No, but I decided not to drive for a while after picking up a couple of hitchhikers last Saturday. But, Connie, why should that discourage you from driving? I picked him up on my bumper. Would you lean over toward my side of the car a little more, please, Miss Brooks? Why, Walter Denton, what have you in mind? Oh, it's nothing personal. I just want to get a good look at you in my rear view mirror. Yup, it's just as I thought. You look harassed. Harassed and bedeviled. Yeah, but lovely. Well, thank you, Walter. <laughs> sort of. But, Walter, uh, to what do I owe these backhanded gallantries? Yeah, I was afraid you might take exception to my frankness. But I mean it all for your own good, Miss Brooks. If I have been less voluble concerning your obvious charms in the past, know, too, that I have been less voluble about the human frailties, which you, like all mankind, have sometimes fallen heir to. Except, then, my plea for leniency. <laughs> I'll grant you a full pardon if you'll tell me what you're talking about. <laughs> what are you trying to wheedle out of me, Walter? Well, now that you mention it, there is something you can do to help both of us out. I thought so. What is it? Oh, it's like this. You, like several of the other teachers, will be assigned to the stockroom during your free period to take inventory and give out supplies. I see. And what does my good friend Raffles have in mind? We split a carload of pencils and retire? <laughs> oh, oh, no, Miss Brooks. My motives are purely altruistic. I merely want to assist an already overburdened teacher whose heart and spirit are big and willing, but whose mind and body may not long stand the strain put upon it by the forthcoming scholastic hassle. <laughs> now come clean. What's your cut in the projected Madison High School stockroom swindle? Cut? Oh, Miss Brooks, I'm surprised at you. Surprised and chagrined. Oh, when I think of your sense of integrity, your honesty... Please, Walter, if you polish this apple anymore, it'll be too slippery to pick up. <laughs> now, come to the point, Walter. Well, whoever helps out in the stockroom gets first choice of the textbooks, right? Right. And you want to help me so you can get yourself the brand new books, nice and clean, right? Wrong. I want the old ones with the answers already penciled in. <laughs> ah. Now, why did I let that slip out? Oh, but you can see it my way, can't you? Sometimes in the impenetrable forest of education, the path is easier seen if someone has cleared the underbrush. <laughs> yes, but you're asking for a free ride on the bulldozer. <laughs> Don't you think it would be better if you relied on your own work, Walter? After all, with an old book, you could be copying somebody else's mistakes. Anybody's mistakes are better than mine. <laughs> well, if you put it that way, Walter. Gee, thanks, Miss Brooks. Well, here we are. Thanks for the lift, Walter. I'll run along in now. Ooh. Ooh. Gosh, Miss Brooks, didn't you see that mud puddle? Of course I did. I just thought it might be fun to go wading. <laughs> well, can I help you scrape off the mud? Well, I haven't time now. If I can just sneak by Mr. Conklin's office, I'll clean up when I get to my room. But suppose you can't sneak by his office. That, Walter, I refuse to contemplate. Believe me, if Mr. Conklin sees me tripping through the hall on these two lumps of mud... 
My name will be Shoes. Continue in just a moment, but first, perhaps the best known example you. And now, while our Miss Brooks is quietly sloshing down the corridor in her muddy pumps, let's look in on Mr. Conklin, Madison's beloved principal, and adjust our wavelength to his stream of consciousness. So we come to the start of another school day. A nice muggy one at that, as if I needed bad weather to make me irritable. The teachers in this school have simply got... Now, who's that tracking her dirty shoes through our hallowed halls? <laughs> Think she's going to sneak past my office, does she? Well, we'll just wait till she's even with the door. And then... Oh, who knows that? <laughs> you, Mr. Conklin... How are things in the principal's office? Fine, thank you. How are things in the Everglades? <laughs> Just uh, take those shoes off and step in here for a moment, Miss Brooks. I want to talk to you. Yes, sir. Do you by any chance remember what I told the faculty at the meeting yesterday? Oh, certainly, Mr. Conklin. I've been going over it in my mind all night. Remember? 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 <laughs> of course, I remember what was discussed at the meeting. The question is, do you? Oh, indeed I do, Mr. Conklin, every word. We've got to have more horseplay and less discipline. <laughs> What's that? I mean, we've got to crack up. Crack down. <laughs> I won't have a repetition of last term's lack of discipline. There's only one way to run a school, and that's, that's in, in an, an orderly, orderly manner. manner. Naturally, I need the cooperation of my staff. Hence, everybody's, everybody's got, got to, to toe, toe the line. line. Uh, yeah. <laughs> There's no reason why things shouldn't go off like clockwork. One, two... Sound off! Oh. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry, Mr. Conklin. It's just that I spent a rather restless night. In fact, we both did. Uh, <laughs> I'm still a bit upset. Well, there's nothing like concentrating on one's work to settle one's nerves. When is your first free period? Right after lunch. I figured I'd get a good rest then. I think not, Miss Brooks. I penciled you in for the stockroom at that time. Oh. Well, they have a lot of erasers in there. Maybe we could rub me out. <laughs> no. no, I guess not. We are extremely short of supplies, Miss Brooks, so I want you to check every requisition very carefully before handing them out. And if for any reason you have to leave the stockroom, you know what to do? Raise my hand. <laughs> you locked the door. Is that clear? Yes, Mr. Conklin, I locked the door. Well, I'll be running along now. Uh, one moment, Miss Brooks. Haven't you forgotten something? Oh. Oh, yes. Rub, two, three, four, rub. Mrs. Brooks, get your fingers out of my head. <laughs> Lunch period would never get here, Mr. Boynton. Oh, me either. I'm starved. Yeah, I'll just put our tray down and sit opposite you. There. Now, it's funny how we happened to bump into each other at the entrance of the cafeteria. Quite a coincidence. Yes, it was. Of course, I had to run a little. 
But I think it's nice to have someone take you to lunch, don't you? Yes, I do, Miss Brooks. It was grand of you to ask me. <laughs> Would you mind passing my soup over, please? Here you are, Mr. Boynton. Nothing like a good hot plate of soup to warm you up. I said that laboratory of mine's like an igloo. Even my hands are freezing. Let's feel them. Say, they are cold. Well, yours are nice and warm. How'd they get that way? I had them in your soup. <laughs> <laughs> shame we don't have a better heating system in this school, especially in the biology lab with all those little mice and rabbits and students. You're right. <laughs> I was talking to Mr. Jensen, the janitor, about it, and he's promised to speak to Mr. Conklin and get him to inspect the system himself. You see, I have a lot of electrical appliances in the lab now, but none of them give off much heat. I've got to have another outlet if I'm to attach any oh, other... excuse me, Mr. Boynton. Hi, Miss Brooks. Hello, Walter. Thought we'd better be getting down to the stockroom. I don't want you to get nervous when the requisitions start pouring in. Or the books for the answers in them start pouring out, hmm? <laughs> Well, all right, Walter, we might as well get going. Will you excuse me, Mr. Boynton? Oh, sure, Miss Brooks, and even though you asked me to lunch, I don't want you to worry about the check. Oh, well, that's very nice of you. I'll like pay you. my own, Miss Brooks. You just take care of yours. <laughs> Well, the worst part of the supply rush is over, Miss Brooks, and now we can sort of take inventory of the surplus stuff that we can use, that is, you can use for your class. Like what, Walter? Oh, paper, pencils, staplers, they bring 40 to 50 cents on the outside, and I really need one for my schoolwork, and, and then there are inkwells, uh, paper clips, yeah, this stockroom is only two doors from your room, Miss Brooks, why don't I get an armful of stuff and stash it away under your desk right now? Walter, I am an English teacher, not a fence. <laughs> There's no such thing as surplus in the school system. Everything has to be requisitioned and... Wait a minute, what's this? That? Oh, that's an electric heater, Miss Brooks. An electric heater, hmm? Why, that's just what Mr. Boynton needs for his lab. I know what, I'll hook it up right now and surprise him. But what about a requisition? Walter, can I trust you? Oh, you know you can, Miss Brooks. Of course, and I do. So if you'll keep quiet about this heater... I'll get you a requisition for a brand new stapler. Gee, that's swell of you, Miss Brooks. Now I can take this one out of the lining of my jacket. <laughs> well, Harriet, where's the heater I sent you for? It wasn't there, Daddy. I looked all over the stockroom, but there wasn't a trace of it. Did you ask Miss Brooks about it? Miss Brooks wasn't there. Nobody was there. And the door was open. No wonder my heater's missing. I distinctly told her... Now what? Come in! Excuse me, Mr. Conklin, but I've got to talk to you right away. Oh, hello, Mr. Jensen. Hello, Harriet. Oh, I better be going now, Daddy. I've got a class in a few minutes. All right, Harriet. Now, what is it, Jensen? I'm rather busy right now. Oh, this is important, sir. As custodian of the building, I feel it's my duty. You feel what is your duty? To tell you, sir. To tell me what? Please, Mr. Conklin, don't shout. That's one of the reasons. That's one of the reasons for what? For your high blood pressure. <laughs> now, when I was your age... Never mind that now. What do you want to see me about? <laughs> Biological laboratory. The furnace vent isn't large enough to heat that big room. It's so cold in there, Mr. Boynton's had to put earmuffs on the rabbits. <laughs> We've got to build another outlet. Outlets cost money, Jensen. We'll requisition another heater. Meanwhile, I've got to find the when one you that When you've got to put my... earmuffs on rabbits, brother, you're in trouble. <laughs> If an electric heater is hooked onto the present wiring setup, it can cause a short. Well, tell me about it another time. And I'm even worse than a short, Mr. Conklin, it might start a fire. 
I don't like to censure you, Mr. Jensen, but you are an alarmist. Yes, sir. Now I'm going down to that stockroom and wait in back of it for Miss Brooks to return. I'll teach her to leave doors open. I'm glad we set up the heater in here before Mr. Boynton came back, Walter. Yeah, he'll sure be surprised, I bet. Uh, come on, Miss Brooks. Oh, there's the next class. I've got you in English this period. That's a coincidence, Walter. I've got you, too. <laughs> oh, Walter, here's the stockroom and the door's still ajar. Didn't you lock it when we left? No, I thought you did. Give me that key. There. Mr. Conklin would have a fit if he found this door open. <laughs> Your next question is as follows. In The Mill on the Floss, George Eliot writes about a gentleman who is often compared with a gentleman in Silas Marner. Who is that gentleman? Are you talking about a fictional gentleman or George Eliot himself? Himself? <laughs> Walter, it happens that she wasn't exactly a gentleman. So what? He was a darn good writer. <laughs> next question. Goodness, that heating system is really noisy. It's coming out of the vent here. What? Quiet a minute. Let me listen. Hello! Hello there! Can you hear me? Sure. What time's the break set for? <laughs> Who are you? It sounds like Daddy. Daddy, can you hear us? Yes. Get me out of here. He must be stuck in the furnace. <laughs> Nonsense, Walter. He was going to inspect the heating system. He's probably just stuck in a pipe somewhere. <laughs> in a pipe somewhere? Oh, I'll go call the fire department. Harriet, you stay here and chat with your father. <laughs> Why, Mr. Boynton! What made you ring the gong for a fire drill? Well, I heard you calling the fire department, and I thought... Oh, but that's not for a fire. Mr. Conklin's stuck in a pipe somewhere, and I just called the department to get him out. Well, most of the kids are out in the street by now. I better go keep them in line. A little extra preparedness won't hurt any. Stuck in a pipe? Oh, I'd better get back to my own room now. Uh-oh, here come the firemen. Well, here we are. Where's the fire? Uh, right this way, Chief. Yeah, come on, men. You see, it's just that somebody's caught in a pipe. Caught in a pipe? For this, I left a hand with a hundred aces and a double pinochle in it? <laughs> oh, please do something. My daddy's stuck somewhere. You've got to get him out. Well, where is he? Well, he was coming in over this bend here very clearly. <laughs> All right. Let's get at this thing with our picks, man. Oh, my Walter. Walter. Walter, there's enough confusion around here as it is. Okay. Go tell Mr. Boynton to send all the children home immediately. Okay, Miss Brooks. Keep going, man. We've got to get him out of that pipe. I wonder where most of them are. Oh, what's that? That seems to be coming from the stockroom. Hey, it is in here. Well, let's see now. Did Miss Brooks give me back the key? Oh, yeah. Here it is. Walter Dent. And I lay this crime at your door. No, sir. Two doors down. <laughs> Well, we'll find out about this. 
Bill's got himself stuck and we got to get the knucklehead out. <laughs> For your information, I'm the knucklehead who's stuck. I mean, I'm the principal of this school. <laughs> Mr. Conklin, how did you get out of the pipe? I was never in the pipe. But we heard you. You yelled, get me out of here. Yeah, what's the idea of yelling, get me out of here, if you're not stuck in here? I was locked in the stock room. Obviously, this heat event connects with the vent in there, and as any idiot could figure out, well, how does any idiot get himself locked in the stock room? <laughs> that will be all of that. I've had enough abuse from the fire department. Yes, we've had enough abuse from the fire department. Quiet, Miss Brooks. Now then, fireman, please remove your pickaxe from the school woodwork. Well, you needn't get so huffy. <laughs> a little hole. Here, I'll take it out. <laughs> Just what we needed, a larger classroom. Now then, Miss Brooks, I want some explanations, and I want them fast. Yes, sir. Who locked me in the storeroom? Where are all the students? Who called the fire department? And that's what I'd like to know. Don't you realize that these false alarms cost the city money? Now we've got to pack all our stuff up. Where are you firemen standing around for? Why don't you do something? Relax, Mr. Boynton. Mr. Conklin's out now. There's nothing left to do. Nothing left to do, but my lab is on fire. What? What? That's more like it. Come on, man! (laughs) Well, Miss Brooks, That leaves just you and me. (laughs) You and me and one more question. What's that, Mr. Conklin? (laughs) Did you happen to run across an electric heater in the stockroom? Yes, I did. And did you happen to connect it anywhere? Like Mr. Boynton's laboratory, for instance? Yes, I did. A funny thing about that. I was told by Mr. Jensen just this morning that another electrical appliance on that circuit would cause a fire. Now, you've got to be punished, Miss Brooks. (laughs) You hear me? You've got to be punished! (laughs) Where are you going, Miss Brooks? To take a cold shower. This is the longest nightmare I've ever had. This is Dell's Good Neighbors. And now, once again, here is our Miss Brooks. Well, it wasn't much of a fire, and as soon as they put it out, one of the firemen got a hook and ladder, climbed up, and brought Mr. Conklin's blood pressure down. (laughs) When he was slightly more rational, he called me into his office again. Miss Brooks. Since Mr. Boynton failed to remind me about the electric hazard in the biology laboratory, I have decided that he is almost as guilty as you are. Oh, but Mr. Conklin, he... Silent. (laughs) You, Miss Brooks, will stay after school and help Mr. Boynton clean up the debris those firemen left behind. I don't care if he keeps you both here all evening. Mr. Conklin, is that my punishment for starting the fire? Exactly. Got a match? (laughs) 
Miss Brooks, starring Eve Arden, is produced by Larry Burns, written and directed by Al Lewis, with music by Wilbur Hatch. Mr. Conklin was played by Gail Gordon. Others in tonight's cast were Jane Morgan, Dick Crenna, Gloria McMillan, Arthur Q. Bryan, and Frank Nelson. Be with us again next week at this same time for another comedy episode of Our Miss Brooks. This is Jimmy Matthews speaking. Stay tuned for Inner Sanctum next on Theater of the Mind. Time now for Inner Sanctum and the episode entitled The Black Art. Lipton Tea and Lipton Soup presents Inner Sanctum Mystery starring Simone Simone. friends of the Inner Sanctum. This is, of course, Raymond, your host. Uh, please come in, won't you? Make yourself comfortable in any gloomy corner. We had intended to have a real surprise for you tonight. Instead of myself, we were going to have a guest ghost to act as host. But, uh, unfortunately, this real ghost caught pneumonia and he's in a very grave condition. The doctors have given up all hope. He's, uh, going to become alive. <laughs> well, Mr. Raymond, I must admit, I'm glad that that ghost couldn't come. Mm? It's difficult enough to talk to you, but heavens, I wouldn't know what to say to a ghost. Oh, well, that's simple, Mary. All you have to do is find out whether it's uh, a he ghost or a she ghost. And if it's a she? Oh, then you compliment her on her appearance. You say, darling, what a divine sheet you're wearing. (laughs) That's right, Mr. Raymond. Hmm. The ladies are always interested in something new to wear. Hmm. And right now, I'm going to tell them about something they'll all want. It's a lovely piece of jewelry. A real sterling silver medallion about an inch in diameter. It's the kind of jewelry you find at those smart shops on Fifth Avenue in New York. But the only way you can get it is from Lipton. The medallion is decorated with a Chinese inscription, and it's hung on a narrow black rayon satin ribbon. That's the height of fashion this year, you know. And here's how you get the medallion. Just send 25 cents and the box top from a package of Lipton, the tea with the brisk flavor, to the Lipton Tea People, Box 92, New York City. Yes, that's Box 92 in New York City. And uh, now it's time to begin... Our story is called The Black Art. It's an original tale by Milton Lewis. And our star tonight is that glamorous motion picture star, Simone Simone, who play the role of Claudine. So, uh, gather close and get ready to hear a sweet little tale that'll make you wake up screaming for at least the next two weeks. You all set? Now remember, if you don't want your hair to stand on end, get someone to... Sit on your head, okay? <laughs> All right, now, let's, uh, let's hear Larry Gifford tell you his story in his own words. Wish I never heard that scream. I wish I never saw a body lying there. Blood all over the room. A knife on the floor near her throat. I'll never forget it. 
I'll never forget how I picked up the knife. I'll never forget the sweat that came creeping out all over me when I heard the door slam. Stand where you are. If you make a move, I'll blow your head off. Don't shoot, copper. Cut that knife. Okay. What's your name? Larry. Larry Gifford. Look, I'm from Chicago. Stranger, huh? Yeah, what of it? What's her name? Her? I, uh, I don't know. I never saw her before. Look, you don't have to frisk me. I haven't got a gun. Shut up. Listen, I, I know it looks bad, but you see, my room's downstairs. I heard a scream, and I... Give me back that wallet. Yeah. Oh. Your hands up. Roll papers. Whatever. So I'm an ex-con, so what? You don't know her, huh? No, I don't. I... What? What have you got there? Just a picture I found in your wallet, mister. Picture of her. To Larry. With all my love, Nancy. I reckon you forgot about this, huh? Yeah, but look, I didn't kill her. I, I Shut I... up. I think I heard that screaming came up here. Pull out your hands. Sure. You can have them. Here. Come back here. Come back. I didn't get far. The crowd in the streets left me. They got it when they heard the shots and scream. I was dumped in jail. Well, this was a little bird in the bio country, not far from New Orleans. I was the biggest thing that hit the town since Ripley's Believe It or Not. For them jerks, my trial was a bigger show than Carmen Miranda and Gypsy Rose Lee doing a trapeze act. In no time at all, they sentenced me to be hung. It was the night before they were going to take me to the state pen for the necktie party. I was sleeping, dreaming I was in Africa. They were beating them drums, tom-toms. Suddenly I woke up. Moonlight was shining through the bars of my cell. I listened. Someone was beating like a tom-tom on the wall of my jail. Who is it? Who's doing that? Larry Garrett. Yeah, that's me. Were you beating on the wall? Yes. I'm under your cell window. What do you want? Drop one end of your tie through the bars. Okay. There. I've got it. What are you doing? Pull up your tie. Yeah, I got it. Good luck. Goodbye. Thanks, baby. Whoever you are. What's going on there, Gifford? Huh? Oh, nothing. Why? I heard talking. Oh, I... I was talking in my sleep. Never done that before. I never was going to be hung before. What's you holding that? Come here. I'll show you. Let's see. A gun. Yeah, and it's got enough bullets to fill your head with lead. Go over here. Open that door. Open that door. I'll give it to you between the eyes. Go on. Don't shoot. Okay. Now I'll take your gun. Give me those keys. See how you like it in there for a while. So long. Stop him. He's in his chest. Let the air. He's in his chest.
The Blue Bottle Bar. Someone told me it was a good joint where they don't ask any questions. It was. I had a few drinks. I was leaning on the bar, looking at a paper. What are you drinking? Scotch. Buy me one. I gave her the once over. I know something about Dave since she was dynamite with class. She was something. Well? Set up another, Charlie. Cigarettes? There. Thank you. It's a nice cigarette holder. Must cost at least a C. You know a lot, don't you? Enough. I know you. Do you? Sure. There's something about... Wait a second. Here. Here in this evening's paper, your picture. It's not a very good picture, is it? After seeing you, no. Claudine Lucerne. Recently returned from France. Elected head of art committee. Miss Lucerne, member of one of New Orleans' oldest and wealthiest families. I've read it. Turn the page. Why? I want to show you something. Okay. There. Larry Gifford of Chicago, wanted for murder, is sought by police after sensational Jane Blake. Better not read anymore. Why? Feel something against your side? Yes. It's a gun. I'm holding it in my pocket. Don't be afraid. I won't give you away. Got a light? Yeah. What do you want? Listen to that music. That tapping. What about it? The way you're tapping your cigarette holder against your glass. I'm just keeping time to the music. I heard that tapping before. Yeah, sure, in the cell. And I heard your voice before. Did you? You gave me the gun. Shh, let me hear you. Uh, uh, what, what's, what's this all about? You'll find out. Relax. I, I can't. I guess I had a few too many. My head, I feel like I'm spinning around, getting dizzy. Two green eyes, pink with blood around the edges, looked at me out of a queer furry head. It was the head of a bat. It smiled. It had sharp little bat teeth that had pink on them. There was an ache in my throat. I looked again. It wasn't a bat's face. It was hers. Claudine's. I was dreaming. Larry? Hmm? Oh, well, where am I? My suite at the hotel. Ah. How'd I get here? You passed out at the blue bottle. I brought you here. When? Two hours ago. Oh, I must have been sleeping. I had the queerest dream. I thought... I... Oh, oh. What's the matter? Oh, my, my throat. That pain, like a knife. Those green eyes of yours... Red mouth. And those white teeth. Look, we're, we're going to have a showdown right now. I'm, I'm... Where's my gun? I took it. Look, what do you want with me? 
Nothing you don't want to do yourself. Don't talk in riddles. Have you have you ever been in love? Sure, dames are always falling for me. Why? I guess that's what happened to me. Are you kidding? No. Do you think I'd get you out of jail if I were? But I, I never saw you before. I saw you at the trial. That, that's where it happened. Oh, how can a dame like you go for a guy like me? I don't know. But it happened. I, I don't believe it. I'm sorry. Come here. Yes? I'm going to kiss you, baby. Larry. Oh, Larry. It's a funny thing to do. Kiss a guy on the neck. Better wipe that lipstick off. I... Hey. What's the matter? My handkerchief. That ain't lip rouge on my neck. It's blood. No, you're making a mistake. My neck's bleeding. What kind of a dame are you, anyway? I'm getting out. No, don't. If you go, I tell them who you are. Oh, you will. Yes, and I... You won't tell them for a while, baby. Grady's joint in the old city of New Orleans was just a place. She'd never find me in that dump. Nobody'd ever find you there. I got a room. I went to sleep. I was safe. Then I heard it again. That same rhythm. It woke me up. I heard it, but I couldn't believe it. How could she know I was here? Oh, was it her? There's nobody in the room. I opened the door. Nobody outside. I slammed it. The beating stopped. I turned around. It's looking into the muzzle of a gun. Sit down, Larry. <laughs> How'd you get here? My Grady ran to the room next to you. There's a connecting door. What what's the idea of a gun? Can't you guess? Are you, you going to kill me? Maybe. Well, you, you're going to a lot of trouble to bump off a guy who's going to be hung anyway. Do you want to die? No. There is a way you can live. How? By coming with me. Yeah. What else have I got to do? Marry me. You're out of your head. You hate me? No. No, I, I, I don't. I don't hate you. I'm, I'm scared of you. Yeah, I've never been scared of anybody the way I'm scared of you. Scared enough to do as I say? Maybe. I had hoped you would love me. Maybe I do. You're lying. No. No, baby. <laughs> it's no use. Look, what are you going to do? Kill you? No, put the gun down. Give me a break. Don't. she tells someone she's gonna kill him, she does it. She'd make a wonderful wife for some Frankenstein monster. She's attractive, a good killer, and she has a well-developed taste for blood. Hey, why should I hand her over to some other guy? She's just a girl for me. Oh, nonsense, Mr. Raymond. 
Why, Mary Bennett, I believe you're jealous. I am not. Yes, you are. You're thinking what a handsome couple you and I would make strolling down the avenue, me dressed in a shroud, and you wearing your new sterling silver medallion. Now, Mm. don't you go making fun of my lovely medallion, because I want all the ladies to send in for one. I know they're going to enjoy wearing it, because it's made of solid sterling silver, and it's really a fine piece of jewelry. Besides, there's a true story behind this medallion, an inspiring story. It seems that the original was given to an American flyer by Chinese guerrillas who rescued him after he'd bailed out over enemy territory. The flyer was told that the Chinese characters on the medallion would identify him and bring him safely through the lines. Well, he did get through, and only then did he learn that the medallion said, Good luck, in Chinese. Now, there's a story to tell your friends. And to get this good luck charm, just like the one the flyer carried, all you have to do is send 25 cents and the box top from a package of Lipton's, the tea with the brisk flavor, to the Lipton Tea People, Box 92. That's Box 92, New York City. Now, uh, let's get back to our star, Simone Simone, who seems to be making life hard for a guy named Larry. And the last time we looked in, she had just shot him. But I've got a tip that that's only the beginning of his troubles. Uh, how about it, Larry? What happened then? I was down in a heap when she fired. The bullets caught me in the thigh. I lay there. Made out like I was dead. Larry. Larry. She fell for it. She bit over me. A gun in her hand. Larry. I'll... Take it easy, kid. Let go of my hand. Not like I get that gun. Let go. Let go. Get that gun if I have to break your arm. No, don't. Oh. Okay. I've got it now. You shot me in the leg, but I'm still strong enough to get rid of you. Larry. I'm no angel, baby, but you're worse. Here's something I heard about, but I never believed. How'd you know I'd be here? How'd you know I'd be in the blue bottle? Go on, answer me. I've got nothing to tell you. Oh, you don't have to. It was magic. Black magic. Somebody nobody'd believe if I ever told him. There's only one thing to do with you. Yes? Kill you. But I ain't taking any chances like you did with me. When I kill you, you're going to stay dead. Those tom-toms are going to stop forever. You think so, Larry? I know it. Come here. Larry, Shut up. Oh! I knocked her out cold. She lay on the floor. I put the muzzle of the gun to her temple. She was so beautiful, it made you shiver. I pulled the trigger. I looked. What I saw nearly made me pass out. A little blue vein on her temple was beating. There wasn't a scratch on her. A little curl of red hair was twisted around her ear. Was I seeing things? I aimed the gun at her heart. Nothing. Not a speck of blood. I stuck the muzzle between her eyes. Shot till the gun clicked empty. I looked. The white skin on her face looked more beautiful than ever. I had to get away. Out of the same city where she was, out of the same state, the same world. I let out for the open country, to the bayous on the river back in New Orleans. My wounds festered as I dragged myself through the swamps, and I got a fever. It was like a nightmare. In my head, I kept feeling the tom toms. I couldn't take a train or a bus or go to a doctor, I'd be caught. One night I saw a big house shining in the moonlight. I decided to take a chance. 
The doctor's story. What is it? Sorry, miss. I was hunting. I had an accident in my leg. Oh. If you let me come in and call the doctor, I'd be very grateful. You don't want to come into this house. Can't you see I need help? You'll never be helped here. There's nothing good here, only evil and fear. So go away, please. I'm warning you. Go away before my sister comes out. What's the matter with you? Don't you see? I can hardly move. Go away while you still have the strength to crawl away. Now, believe me. Tell Mr. Gifford to come in and close the door, Cassie. Uh, that voice. That's my sister. Yes, your sister. Claudine Lassan. Good evening, Larry. I was wondering when you'd get here. You know him? Yes. Mr. Gifford and I are old friends. Friends. How can you have a friend now, Cassie? He's someone like you. You mustn't mind her, Larry. Cassie isn't quite well. I don't know who you are, Mr. Gifford. But I do know that she's brought you here to kill me. Cassie? I knew it would happen on a night like this when the moon was full. She's been preparing for it for months. I've told everyone about it, but no one will believe me. I've told them again and again, and they say I'm insane. They think I've lost my mind. But she is going to murder me tonight while the moon is full. She's going to murder me. She... Go to your room, Cassie, immediately. Here. Come, Larry. You must know by this time that you can't fight me. Yes, I... I thought I'd never see you again. I'm, I'm not well. I've got a fever. Hey, that tom-tom being in my brain. I can't stop it. It's getting louder and louder. What? I blacked out. When I opened my eyes again, I was in a soft bed with clean sheets. Someone had dressed my wounds. The moonlight came into my room like a living yellow ghost. And I heard it. Just like the one Nancy made when she was killed. I limped out of bed, went to the room next door. It was Kathy on the floor, murdered. The knife was still in her neck. And I heard it again. The tom-tom. Queer sounding this time. I felt myself beginning to sway to the rhythm like a dancer. Then I did something I couldn't stop myself from doing. I put my hands down, drew out the knife. I wiped my bloody hand on my shirt. Suddenly I looked up. She was there. Claudine. Drop the knife, Larry. What? What have you got in your hands? These? These came from the skeleton of someone who was once alive. You're not a woman. You're a devil. I'm going to... Don't come any closer, Larry. I don't want to kill you just yet. Just, just yet? So we're close to the payoff. Yeah, you're trembling, Larry. Who are you? There's no reason why I cannot tell you now. You don't believe, do you, that there are unseen powers that can be controlled by someone who knows how? I can believe anything about you. Thank you, Larry. Your heart is pounding like a throbbing drum, isn't it, Larry? You can feel death close, can't you? What have you got to say to me? I'm going to tell you a story, Larry. The story of a child 
who was brought up on this estate by a strange old woman, a Kanji woman. In her head were all the black arts of the world. She taught me. Why are you telling me this? It amuses me to watch you, a murderer, helpless and terrified. So terrified you can hardly breathe. I find it very exciting. Then it, it was blood I found on my handkerchief. Yes. It is one of the ways to gain complete power over a person. And a tanta. Another spell to make you do what I want. And the murder of your sister? You want me to be the patsy for that? You're beginning to understand. You see, Cassie and I inherited the estate. There's really not enough for both of us. You tell him I did it. Yes. And that I killed you in self-defense. What, what are you looking at me that way for? I was remembering something. Remembering? Oh, that kiss, baby, wasn't it? You're a devil, but still a woman, ain't you? You didn't forget that kiss, did you? No. Well, what are you going to do? Come here. Closer. Well. Don't move. There. You... You can let me live. Live? When it's my life against yours, you fool. I'll put that gun down. When I'm finished. Please, give me a break. I'm begging you. Begging you? I'll do anything you say. Just give me a chance, please. Here it comes, Larry. Between your eyes. How do you feel today, Giffen? Much better, officer. Legs healing fine. We checked that crazy story you told us. It's all true. Tell me something. How'd you know to come to the Lausanne place when you're dead? You arrived just in time. A second later and she would have killed me. Kathy, her sister phoned us, told us to come out. I came in the room and saw her threatening you with a gun. I shot at her. I had to. Got her in the shoulder. Should have killed her. State will take care of that. Did you believe the story she told you at first? That I killed her sister and she was killing me in self-defense? No. You see, Gifford, we'd found out that you weren't a murderer. You didn't kill Nancy Warren. The man who did that confessed. That made her whole story false. How, how did she do it, Captain? How did she find out where I always went? Police psychiatrist said she did, did it by post-hypnotic suggestion. She told you where to go while you were asleep, and you never realized that you were always doing just what you wanted. The bullets, when I shot at her and tried to kill her, how'd she do that? It was all carefully planned. The first shot she fired at you were real bullets. The others in the gun were blanks. She wanted to get you so thoroughly under her power that you think she couldn't be killed. You see, all this so-called black magic has an explanation. Has it? I wonder... Oh, that black magic. <laughs> I tell you what I'm going to do. Step right this way, friends, and get yourself a post-hypnotic suggestion. Spell it backwards and you get murder. Uh, what's that? 
You can't spell. Ain't you lucky? Talking of luck, Mr. Raymond, I think Larry Gifford was mighty lucky to escape that awful woman. Oh, well, you see, Mary, it's very simple. He probably wore one of your good luck medallions. Oh, no, that's plain uh, silly. A man wouldn't wear a medallion on a black rayon satin ribbon. It's the ladies who like jewelry. Yes, that's why I know that they'll appreciate this solid sterling silver medallion that the Lipton people want to send them. And, ladies, here's how you get it. Send just 25 cents, which includes tax and postage, with a box top from a package of Lipton's, the tea with the brisk flavor, to the Lipton Tea People, Box 92 in New York City. The uh, moral for tonight's assault on your nerves is never marry a dame who sucks blood out of your throat. Such dames give you a... Pain in the neck. <laughs> by the way, this month's Inner Sanctum Mystery novel is The Red Right Hand by Joel Townsley Rogers. Yes, and don't you dare miss next week's story directed by Hyman Brown and brought to you by Lipton Tea and Lipton Soup. Next week's story is about a pair of murderers who get scared to death. They're more frightened than the guy they're murdering. So if you hear some static on your radio next Tuesday, it'll just be their knees knocking together. <laughs> well, now I guess it's really time to close that there squeaking door. So, uh, good night for real. Pleasant <laughs> Folks, the next time you send a box of food to your boy overseas, be sure to include a package or two of Lipton's noodle soup mix. You see, Lipton's is just like a taste of home. Mm-hmm. It has the same homemade chickeny taste as the soup you make yourself. The soup your boy's always been so fond of. That's why it's such a thoughtful, welcome little gift to send Lipton's. And as you know yourself, Lipton's noodle soup makes a grand snack. So remember, send a package or two to your boy. And remember to tune in next Tuesday night for another Inner Sanctum Mystery. This is CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System. Thank you for listening. I hope you'll be with me next week as I uncover more gems from the golden age of radio. Thanks to Joel Schoenwell and Paul Stringer for technical support. The executive producer for Theater of the Mind is Moses Neimer. I'm Frank Proctor. Have a great night. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.